But yeah, it was excruciatingly painful because it's one of those shots that go right into the muscle. Yeah. So the muscle was uh, just yeah, horribly painful. And I'm laying on the couch on uh, one of the days, and one of the cats, actually DJ Kitty, jumps down right onto my shoulder and goes to start fluffing it up. So she like takes her paws and starts pushing it back and forth right on the sore spot. Uh-huh. Almost screamed. DJ Kitty won't be making a repeat appearance, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Kitty out in, in memory of DJ Kitty. Yeah, <laughs> you know I had a I had hurt my back several years ago, and uh, you know the wife was out of the house, and I mean it was excruciating. I couldn't sit down. I really couldn't move. And so what I did is I just went and I stood in the corner. You know, with my back in the corner and just stood there for two hours until my wife came home. <laughs> and, and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I, I really hinked at my back. I mean, and I was afraid to like lay on the floor for fear I'd never be able to get back up again, you know. And so she uh, took me to the ER and they're like, yeah, you've really screwed up your back. Um, you've got like all these spasming muscles and whatnot. We're going to give you a shot of Toradol. I said, well, what's that? And they said, well, it's all the pain killing strength of morphine, but none of the addictive qualities. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to give you a shot of that. And, you know, they said, so, you know, drop your drawers. You're going to take this in, in, the, in the ass. And, <laughs> and I, the first time you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said you know, I, I, I really I, – can I just take it in the shoulder? And they said, no, this is really something that, that you want to take in, in, the, in the hip because it is, it is really a painful shot. And I said, well, you know, the problem is is that it took me an hour to get my pants on before I got here, you know. Um, I, I, I'm afraid I'm not gonna be able to put them back on, you know. <laughs> so unless y'all are gonna dress me, you know, I, 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 I think you're gonna have to give, give it to me in the arm. And she's like, okay, well, this is gonna hurt quite a bit. And I mean, it was like someone took a drill, and you know, to give me the injection, you know, just, <laughs> you know, into me. I, and, and I mean, it was sc- screaming pain for about five minutes until the Toradol kicked in, and then I was feeling no pain. <laughs> It's like, this is great. Let's go dancing. <laughs> no, no, so, Mr. Head. You need to go home and go to sleep. So my wife took one of the pictures of uh, DJ Kitty on the mixer and it photoshopped in the phrase, uh, DJ Kitty going to rock you. And she's talking about having a shirt made for me with that on it. Awesome. I, I would wear that one day to fear the con if she did. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim in the caboose again. <laughs> I was about to say there was no drama this week, no fighting over that coveted now, third spot. I knew I knew how Wayne felt, and I also know that there's certain people that are a little bit um, panicked about wanting to hear the names in the same order that Aaron puts it in. So putting those people at unease again is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's good to shake things up, Tim. You know, and I appreciate that, Tim. So I won't make 
any of the jokes that immediately come to mind when you talk about taking it in the caboose. Fair enough. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of shaking things up, um, you know, Paul, you had an earthquake, you know, week before last, and then, you know, clearly you were not swallowed up by the hurricane, unless, of course, we are talking to time traveler Paul or ghost Paul or both. Ooh. Damn it, Mother Nature, try harder. <laughs> I want to see rain. I want to see it rain blood. Well, yeah. next time, don't send a tropical storm to do a hurricane's job. That's all I'm yeah. saying. You mm-hmm. know, if you're going to wipe Paul off the map, send a level four hurricane. Come on. <laughs> or not. I want them to send. Yo, let's refer to it <laughs> as the God Storm. <laughs> Paul wore his T-shirt that says F five this and with a down arrow. That's what he did. <laughs> Bring yeah, it, really, Mother Nature. I just stood outside in the hurricane. You know, after we podcasted, I just went and stood outside all day for no no apparent reason. With an umbrella, holding high. So, Paul, how'd you enjoy that hurricane? What'd you do during all those hours of no power? Well, you know, our power lasted until about 4 p.m. on Saturday. Uh-huh. And um, didn't come up until about 5 p.m. on Thursday. That's gotta suck. Uh, it was it was terrible. Um, you know, at least the the nights were like sixty five degrees, so it was fine. But you know, it's not really helpful to open up all your windows when you don't want people to see you in your jammies, so you close all the curtains anyway. Right. So because that wind's just not blowing in. Right. Um, you know, you're just blocking it with the curtains. So it was a it was a miserable couple of days. Um, and you know, almost everyone. That I know, well, not almost everyone. Everyone that I know got their power turned on uh, by like Monday evening, uh-huh. uh, including our next door neighbor. Yeah, that's bullshit right there. Yeah, they had their power on Monday morning, and so their kids are running around outside. I'm like, you don't have your power back on yet. You know what? Fuck you, kid. (laughs) You know, and knowing you like we do, Paul, I can just imagine the withdrawals going six days without horror or porn. Well, I mean, luckily I had some on my computer, but once the computer (laughs) dies, you're just hosed. Well, it's it's sad. You know, you couldn't Netflix stream. You couldn't Xbox Live. You couldn't you you couldn't do any of the things that you like to do. I agree. It was crap. Um, Yeah. And really, I could have survived without the internet. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I would have done it happily, but I could have survived without the internet. Uh-huh. However, I could not have survived <laughs> without. I well, I did obviously, but it was very difficult to survive without any type of power or lights or anything like that, because you know it gets dark around seven, eight o'clock, and, uh-huh. and after that, it's just the wife and I staring at each other till one of us says, "Let's just go to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> What was the temperature like there? Because I know here it was over 100 most of the week. It was like eighty, mid-80 to low 90s during the week and 60-something at night. So it was, a, it, was, it was definitely not a pleasant week, let me tell you. Um, you know, I, my folks who live about 15 minutes away had power. And I don't know, I, I guess we were stubborn-headed or something. And we just of didn't course work. they did. They weren't you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess we were just stubborn and just didn't want to sleep there. So... I could have had power, but, you know, I, I just decided, you know, torturing myself is really a better option here. One that's got to, you know, that's got to suck getting ready for work, you know, 
by candlelight, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. So it, it was around Tuesday, and, you know, people are like, are your power on yet? Is your power on yet? No, no. So you haven't showered since Saturday? Of course I've showered. Seriously? No, I haven't showered in four days, and I'm at work. Do I look unshowered? <laughs> but, uh, well, maybe they were trying to tell you something, Paul. Yeah. No. Wouldn't the better question be, do I smell unshowered? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just... I mean, I know I hadn't shaved, because shaving by candlelight, which I eventually did after everyone kept asking me if I'd showered or not. <laughs> and I shaved my flashlight. I had the flashlight pointed at my face, and I was shaved. <laughs> I always just figured you shaved using heat vision reflected against a shiny piece of metal from your ship. Nice. Yeah, but without lights, that shit would have gotten, like, who knows where that light beam could have gone. But you just double it up with your infrared vision, you see. And my force field. <laughs> but it was a, it was definitely a rough rough week that's i am the, i am glad the title to, of your new book paul shaving by candlelight by shaving by can- yeah love at the speed of sound no um but yeah so i'm my power's back on i am podcasting i am happy i am much less of an asshole i'm still one but i am i'm much less of one uh as of thursday evening <laughs> well, I'm really, I'm really glad that worked out for you, Paul. Because you know, unfortunately, I, I was, I couldn't help you out in that situation because I was too busy saving my comic book owner. You can only save one person at a time. I can only, I can only help one person at a time. It's just yeah. the way it is. Anything else, and people expect more out of you. <laughs> so, um, uh, so uh, shout out to my local comic book shop, House of Heroes. And no, this isn't like Aaron when he shouts out to Netflix. I don't get a dollar off. Although, Scott, <laughs> if you're listening, you know, hey, hook a brother up. <laughs> but, uh, so a few weeks ago, um, I, I, was, I was in my comic book store, and I saw they have a, a fantasy football league-like plaque thing. So every, every year they've got somebody in there. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I do fantasy football. Do you guys need anybody this year? And he's like, I don't know, maybe. We usually need someone every year because someone drops out, but uh, I'll let you know. like, okay, no big deal. Um, And I kind of just left it at that. And so I went in there on uh, Wednesday, and he's like, hey, you want to join fantasy football? I'm like, "Uh, when are you guys doing it? Tomorrow. (laughs) Like, oh, (laughs) okay, I guess. So I made sure that the House of Heroes Fantasy Football League was in business this year. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had enough people. So that was how I, I saved my local you, comic book store. You saved your local comic shop and sort a of. little gambling ring. You know, I, I think that's great. <laughs> no, we're playing for jelly beans, Aaron. It's not. <laughs> it's 50 jelly beans each. And, you know, the winner gets 250 jelly beans. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Does Jelly Bean mean a thousand dollars? Is that what I'm understanding here? Is that yes. slang? Should I look yeah. it up on Wikipedia? You guys, you guys <laughs> Urban you guys Dictionary. Take take that as you how you will. I'm hoping <laughs> to get a really big sugar high if I win 250 jelly beans. <laughs> I gotta tell you, and this is no offense to your Jelly Bean uh, football league. Mm-hmm. If I won a contest and someone gave me 250 jelly beans, I think I'd probably kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> But what if they were like good jelly beans, like gourmet jelly beans? Like, like I don't jelly give a shit. Beans, jelly know? beans are not an acceptable prize. Period. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I feel bad about the next contest on Ideology of Madness. I... <laughs> well, it, it, that's okay because I'm not entering. You could win 250 jelly beans. Hand-picked. 251. 
Paul's just bitter because he needs money because he spent all of his. Yeah, no shit. I um, so I was driving around yesterday, just driving. That's what I do, you know, just drive aimlessly till I find some way to waste money. He was driving um, because I didn't get on Twitter fast enough and say, "Hey, Xbox Live, biatch." Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you want to play Gears of War? Or, no, Tim says, hey, you want to play Gears of War? I just left the house five minutes ago. But, yeah, so I went to – I came across a Borders, and they have the big going out of business sign. Everything, 60% off or more. So I was like, oh, I'll go check it out, see if they have any good trades. They had some good trades. I, <laughs> I spent $75 at that Borders. Damn. Yeah, I got – um. I got Spider-Man big-time hardcover, so expect me to give away the single issue sometime soon. <laughs> I got Little Depressed Boy for four bucks. Nice. Um, I got Unwritten. I got I caught caught up on my Walking Dead trades. I bought uh, the Ultimate Avengers, um, the Mark Millar, uh, yep. the Part Three Ultimate Avengers uh, with, with Blade, the yeah. vampire. Uh, I got Steve Rogers Super Soldier for six bucks. I mean, I think the most expensive thing I got was Grim Fairy Tales Neverland hardcover, which was ten bucks, because uh, normally it was twenty-five bucks, but it includes eight comics in a hardcover. So I mean, right. it's a it's a big juicy hardcover. The and, border uh, sales are lantern, the border figure. sales are great now that they're down to like sixty percent. I mean, a friend of mine went in before it dropped to sixty, bought all of the Invincible hardbacks, spent over a hundred bucks on these things. Wow. Um, I've been going in pretty frequently just to see what they have. Picked up uh, the first Ultimates because I didn't have – I only had uh, some of the individual issues. I didn't have the full trade of that. Uh, I've been looking at all the Spider-Man trades, thinking about getting some of them here and there. I mean they had just so much stuff. And you know, it, it, it's clearly apparent that even at 60% off, people still don't want to buy certain books. Like, yeah. I mean you see just rows upon rows of you know, um, some like – Green Lantern by Kick a Donkey Podunk from 1975. <laughs> Kick a Donkey Podunk? <laughs> I would buy that in a second if it I, were The on creative cover. team of Kick a Donkey Podunk is vastly <laughs> underrated. It's seminal, seminal uh, Green Lantern work there. It really. The only, the, the, the only second to Porn Sack Pistachio. <laughs> if you could get those two together, Kick a Donkey oh. Podunk. And, uh, you know, porn stash. <laughs> but, <laughs> porn <laughs> but I, I think Kick a Donkey may have OD'd back in the 80s, though. I don't think he's still around. Yeah, well, you know, it's all that hard living. It's all the yeah. jelly beans he was making. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been going to Borders each week and just watching the prices drop. And there was this huge stack of it's Star Trek guy. Uh, Enterprise owner's manual covers all of the different enterprises. And I've been watching. I'm like, if it drops just a little bit more, I'm going to get it. So they finally did the drop to 60%. So I went into Borders all excited. I'm going to buy it now. And they don't have any more. Bastards. They, I waited too long and they sold out on me. Because it, uh, it had blueprints for all of the enterprises in X01 all the way through E. They had, uh, you know, ship details about it, what the crew complement was, the, you know, all of this really cool information that, you know, it's like I should have bought this when it was, when it was at like forty or fifty percent, but I was just being greedy and waiting until it jumped down to sixty, and now it's gone. You know, you know Porter, this is why you're closing down. You can't keep shit in stock when you're going out of business. <laughs> Clearly, you don't deserve to be in business. I would, yeah, I have to say, I'm really curious to look at. I would love to see 
the economics of of uh, clearing out your 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 supply because they've paid for all of this staff. And I know at the borders over here by us, they stuck at like forty percent off and thirty percent off for a good long time, yeah. and it didn't seem like anything was moving. And you know when you offset what you're paying, you know people on their hourly wage versus what your the, the amount of time you're going to have to be open before you clear your stock. I just I I I, I know they they must I suspect understand their business. Maybe they don't because they're going out of business. But um, I, I'm just curious to see how that how that how those economics work because I would think the overhead of paying for your staff would really make it worthwhile to let's clear this sooner rather than later and so maybe you should have your 50 percent off because I really think in a going out of business that's that's the threshold that most people are looking for. Well, the one here we saw the opposite. Of course, the one here was actually a. A good borders that was always crowded to begin with. Yeah. Even at the thirty and forty percent off, there were lines almost out the door at the checkout line. Yeah. I mean, it was packed even then. The uh, the the fixtures and all things like that. Those are also on sale. They're going like crazy. The uh, same friend that spent over a hundred dollars on the Invincible hardbacks bought a bunch of the bookshelves, and he bought some of the uh, some of them back from the DVD areas for all of his DVDs and. I've been looking at them closely because now they've dropped the price. You can get three bookshelves for a hundred bucks. Yeah, pretty cool. You know, I went into my local Borders and I said, "How much for the blonde chick?" And uh, <laughs> I, I did not get sixty percent off. Huh. But I did, I did, I did ask why did they have the OBO sign up if I if I couldn't. Make a bid. <laughs> <laughs> so, but let's let Aaron take his own advice into hand. Aaron, the overhead for keeping us here before getting into the comics is probably costing you a pretty penny. It, it is uh, quite daunting. Right. Yeah, and so why don't why don't we start in with uh, one of the one of the larger books that we've had come out in quite some time, Flashpoint number five. Flashpoint number five. So uh, I have to say I, I was really rather looking forward to Flashpoint number five uh, because I was looking forward to seeing you know Gorilla Grodd because we in the the Flashpoint Gorilla Grodd one shot we had we were promised. A lot of Gorilla Grodd. You know, he was heading to Europe. He was going to mix stuff up. And I just loved that Gorilla Grodd one shot. So, man, I was ready for Gorilla Grodd to dominate Flashpoint number five. You mean for that whole, that whole, that whole panel? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, but I know, Tim, you were looking forward to Flashpoint number five because you were looking for this wrap up to the Aquaman Wonder Woman conflict. So. Tim? I, th- I think they got four panels. Hmm. Huh. Huh. And, well, uh, uh, Wayne, Booster Gold. You know, he had his big moment in time with uh, the Flash at the end of his story. So you would expect to see Booster Gold in Flashpoint number five, right? I didn't actually expect to see him in here because they already half-assed his ending in his, uh, his last issue. <sighs> Paul? Yes. Uh, um, what were you expecting in Flashpoint number five? Uh, you know, <laughs> a resolution to everything in the Flashpoint universe. <laughs> um, you know, well, I guess it did get resolved. Shit got wiped away clean. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think where you're going with this, Aaron, <laughs> is that all of these 
plot threads that they set up through the tie-ins and, and miniseries uh, for Flashpoint, none of them were satisfactorily resolved, except maybe like Lois Lane because she died. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we were left with to be continued in Flashpoint number five, and almost everything was given a panel, yeah. but not really a clean resolution to the actual emotional plot thread. Um, you know, like I said, everything was just kind of, you know, wiped away when the end of the universe happened. But seriously, it's like the Canterbury Cricket is on a two page spread, but I get like four <laughs> little panels of Aquaman and Wonder Woman. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, this is interesting because I didn't read all these tie ins and I absolutely love this issue. I, I mean, everything was resolved because that planet was destroyed. Well, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I want to go on record saying I loved the shit out of Flashpoint number five. I thought it was a great, great book. And it wrapped up everything from the Flashpoint one through four <laughs> miniseries, you know, with Barry Allen and Thomas Wayne. It wrapped all that stuff up in a nice little bow. But if you were really invested in especially the Aquaman Wonder Woman storyline, that that was the biggest disappointment. Even though I loved the issue, it was very disappointing that that didn't reach some kind of resolution. Someone didn't kill the other one or something, you know? Well, but the <clears throat> the Batman one reached all kinds of resolution. Oh no, I the and I I, I, I tease Flashpoint. I really enjoyed Flashpoint number five. Um, I thought it, that it nicely tied up the Flashpoint, uh, the Flash Thomas Wayne storyline. I thought that was brilliantly done. I really enjoyed it. But in terms of a satisfying emotional ending to all the, the tie-ins, I mean, I felt like having read two series, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, that were so tightly tied together, and then them say, for more of this, you know, check out issue five of Flashpoint – I felt like that was a little bit of a uh, of a shoddy way to wrap that up. So what have we learned here during the last crossover when I told everyone you'll enjoy the crossover better if you don't <laughs> buy the tie-ins? I was right. I hate it when Wayne's right. <laughs> Damn it. I really like but, you know, the tie-ins, though. It's just yeah. the, the fact that they didn't they didn't wrap it up. And they're like, oh, let's turn into Flashpoint number four to see more of that. Yeah. A bunch of freaking lines is what that is. Well, and and I gotta say, I feel like fl- the Flashpoint series issues one through five was a little padded because really not a whole lot happened in four. You know, I, I four just kind of felt like we were stringing it along for the timing of issue five. Um, I thought five was very well done for the most part. The the things that I object about Flashpoint is what wasn't included. Um, I would have been happy to see. A larger book, but of course, then you'd been paying, you know, five dollars for it versus versus four. Yeah, but, I was already annoyed by how much I paid for my books this week, considering how few there were. But the the ending between Flash and Batman, you know, when they've reset things to the new Fifty Two universe, is just th- those are great pages. Those are just fantastic pages. You know, uh, the note that Flash delivers to Batman. It's just fantastic. All right, Tim, I need a big spoiler. <laughs> spoiler! My favorite thing about this issue was that it was all Flash's fault. Yeah. that it, yeah. All this time we've been thinking that Zoom had done something, and it was Flash the whole time that had caused this by trying to save his mother. Yeah. I, 
I really enjoyed that. I did not see it coming at all. Yeah. Well, and I like that you know, the, the last half of this issue is really fantastic. You know, basically once it's once we've realized we're not going to get resolution to the Aquaman Wonder Woman thing, <laughs> if you can put that aside, it really is an emotional issue. You know, Flash has to accept that to undo all of this, his mother has to die. Yeah, Flash is not the hero of this book at all. Yeah. He's not the one that beats Zoom. That's Batman with a sword through the chest. He's the he's the one that <laughs> I already had you give a big spoiler. He's the one that was responsible for everything bad that was happening to this universe. And to save the universe, he has to go back and stop himself from saving his mom. Another he spoiler. was really the bad guy for for half the book. And you know, Favorite line of the book? I mean, yes, my favorite scene is the Batman Flash, you know, reading the letter at the end. I thought that was just extremely well done. You know, and the scene with his mom was extremely well done. But when Batman stabs Zoom through the chest. Oh, yeah. And he says, doctor's note, (laughs) when in the middle of a war, don't stand still. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, But I can't can't put aside the whole not resolution of tie-ins. I can't can't do that because I I put – what was it? Six issues worth of investment into two different series that didn't that that were supposed to resolve here. And yeah. let me let me be fair. It would be tough to have resolved everything all in one issue. Sure. Like I don't think that I don't think it would have been satisfactory. You know, even if they had tried a little harder, because I think it would have been rushed because they had to have, you know, the parts. You know, the last half of the book basically. I guess my so, question is, what were you looking for in a resolution? Because it all led up to the final war that destroyed the planet. They destroyed yeah, their was, planet in this it fight. All, it was all half-assed, though. You know, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't really that they destroyed it. It was, oh, the ground is shaking because something Aquaman set in motion. Well, It wasn't, and, it wasn't and really it, like any emotional thing that they, those two characters did. Well, and I just think it's kind of bullshit that you know, you're just going to have Wonder Woman and Aquaman locked in battle until Superman flies in. And knocks them apart, and that's essentially it. That was it. Yeah, I, I wanted, I wanted the Shakespearean ending of them killing each other. That, yeah. that's yeah. kind of what. Well, I that would have been satisfying. Had I would have liked to have seen one of them win, you know, right. or both of them kill each other, you know. Uh, well, if you'll notice, they came back together at that point to fight Superman. If you look on some of the panels there after that, right after that one panel of Grodd, mm-hmm. there's a panel with both of them fighting sure. side by side against Superman. But even that doesn't go anywhere because you've got you know things just falling to crap around you. Yeah, like I could have I, I dealt without the resistance showing up and had a, and and the stupid what was it, whatever that witch's name was. Although that that was a pretty fun scene when Superman finally does show up. Yes, when Superman tore her in half, or <laughs> yep. all, in little bitty pits, landed on her spleen. Yeah, that was pretty. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, I do agree that I didn't need that splash page of the resistance. That that could have been a panel for me. But that's a, that was a, a nice shot of Canterbury Cricket. <laughs> you get to see Canterbury yeah. Cricket's junk. But, but here's the thing, right? Big two-page spread of the resistance. On the very next page, they all die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a panel where you see Grifter is fading away into a skeleton because the, the witch lady, you know, zaps him. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, I get it. I get it. There there was a lot of outstanding things. They gave a panel to almost every tie-in that still had to be resolved. But it wasn't really a resolution to the big two storylines. Right. 
And you know that that like Tim said, that was the biggest drawback for me. I would have liked to see someone win or both of them die, but something caused by them and that storyline, not just hey the Earth blew up. <laughs> you know, guess that's the resolution. Yay. Yeah. So so one panel, Aaron. Would you say Gorilla Grodd played second banana? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Yeah. But so Flash, you know, has caused this rift in the time stream because he he fucks with time and you know everything has changed and to fix time he has to go back in time and let his mother die and when he does this he fucks up time again essentially causing DC's new 52 universe well the interesting thing is there's some third party at play here they're building the groundwork for another major story like if you read between the yes. lines, the next, they're going to have at some point a big crossover to deal with this other character that is there and helping him combine the world. Do we know who that woman is? She's we the built-in retcon in case everything goes to shit. Well, yeah, I get that, but do, we, but do we know what – is she Lady Retcon? Is that her name? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ma- Madam Retcon. Yeah, yeah. Madam Retcon. She is, she is not a character I recognize at all. Okay. But with her whole conversation about the uh, – that these three worlds should have been the same world, and they're only split so the world would be weakened for their appending arrival. It, of course, they're leading up to a big storyline. Yeah. Well, and um, th- this, I, 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 she appears to be a brand new character, or at least an old character that has been revamped. But she is also in Justice League number one. I don't know if you guys noticed her. I did not. I did um, not either. So that brings us to Justice League number one, the first issue of DC's new 52 universe. And uh, just, you know, before we go into too much detail on this issue, she's in the scene um, where they're showing people on the stands watching Vic Stone play football. She is standing behind the stands. You have to look really hard. Flipping as well. So there was there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure. And uh, oh, wow. She that is a incredible catch ball. There's a lot of of pressure and. anxiety and stress put on put on this guy about this this justice league number one crap it was so exciting and uh i don't so i yeah you guys did shut up no so, <laughs> um, no he said know. he doesn't see her oh, i thinking. do i found her oh, okay oh, i, I thought he's like i didn't pay her anybody yeah you did so um <laughs> i didn't get to the comic book store right away on wednesday and uh Joe, which I get another shout out. The Joe streak continues. It was like, did you <laughs> sweet? Did you get Justice League one? I'm like, I don't know. Is it, is it two ninety nine? He's like, no, they didn't hold the line at two ninety nine. <laughs> He's like, but I'll rent you mine for two ninety. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think for the extra dollar, I'll at least get the pretty pictures. So I I do have Justice League number one in my in my house. Very Look at that. And well, Tim, oh, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I gotta say, you know, as much as as much as I give Flashpoint number five a lot of crap, I really enjoyed the ending. Um, I think it's it's one of, in terms of the the Flash Batman story, um, it was a very satisfying ending. And those are rare in these big event books. So I was jazzed when I finished Flashpoint number five. And so I was stoked 
when I cracked open my my bagged copy of Justice League number one, I got the digital combo pack, and I went in on, on onto the website and I punched in my code and I downloaded my copy from Comicsology onto my iPad, and you know right off the bat you're greeted with this beautiful Jim Lee artwork. Uh, I, I I love the 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 artwork of. Batman jumping from rooftop to rooftop and being tracked by the Gotham City Police Department. Um, I love the depiction of the parademon that that uh, Batman's chasing. But I gotta tell you, overall, this book I found it very unsatisfying. Was that supposed to be a parademon? Yes, sir. I had no idea what that was supposed to be. I thought it was the new villain of some sort. <laughs> it makes sense though, since the uh, this first storyline seems to be leading towards Darkseid. So, well, so we know what Aaron thought of it. Very unsatisfying. Tim, what'd you think of it? Uh, um, well, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it, I think it goes without saying that the artwork was beautiful. And I think that, I think the writing kind of gets caught up in the, the whole, this is them meeting each other. So we've got to make Hal Jordan a complete, toolbox, you know, like fighter pilot type, which apparently he was like an original Green Lantern since he wasn't just a stick up his ass, so, okay, I got it. Hal Jordan's a cocky bastard. And Batman's still freaking awesome. Okay, we got that. But I didn't... I don't know. It, it didn't feel like... At the speed they're telling the story, you're not going to get the full Justice League till like issue seven, yeah. issue ten. Yeah. You know, something like that. And I'm like, I don't know if... Because it's like you've got all these guys on the cover. It would have been hard to put them all in the book. But it would have been, you know... It would have been nice to, you know, get to a point where I think, okay, in this three-issue arc at the end of it, we're going to have the Justice League. And I don't... The way... This, the pace that they're telling it, I don't think you're going to get that. Like, I, I think that I think the issue gets a B, but it only gets a B because of the, of the Jim Lee art. Yeah. Yeah, the Jim the Jim Lee art rocks pretty damn hard, but I gotta tell you, you know, Jeff Johns wrote this thing, and I don't feel like he's got the voices of these characters yet. You know, he's he's telling the story of our heroes five years in in the past, and I, none of these guys sound right to me. And maybe that's just the switch from you know the old DCU to the new Fifty Two, but you know, none of these guys sound right to me. I couldn't disagree more. I I love the issue. The uh, decompressed storytelling reminds me of the Ultimate Universe when it first kicked off because we didn't see Spider-Man in costume for like seven, eight issues, if even. I like the the longer you know progression of the story to tell it. Uh, I thought the voices of the characters were great. I hate Hal Jordan, but I always hate Hal Jordan, so that's yeah. nothing out of the ordinary. I love their conversations between Hal and Batman, though, and I thought it was perfectly portraying who these characters are in this new universe. I mean, the whole conversation that Hal has with Batman, where he's just like, you're not just some guy in a bat costume, are you? And he's making fun of him for not having powers, and then Batman holds up his ring. It's so like that to me that those couple panels give us the voice of these characters in the new universe. You know, and maybe Hal is mellowed out by the time, you know, five years is over because he won't have a ring anymore. But <laughs> I 
I think this did a hell of a job doing presenting the voice of the characters. Hal was a cocky bastard, and that's what we're seeing in here. He's a basically he's a jerk, and because of it, he gets his ass handed to him by Superman. You know, I I love this. So I read this issue three times. I, I just because I knew this was going to be the focus of today's show, I really wanted to kind of read it as much as I could to have as much to say about it as I could. Um, you know, and my first reading, I read it, I was like, eh, you know, that was pretty good. But you know, the more I read it, the more I'm actually enjoying it, and you know, the more I'm realizing. Wayne referenced the Ultimate Universe. This really is a Marvel, a Marvel style DC book, right? You know, New Avengers. That team wasn't together until issue twelve. <laughs> you know, there were there were uh, you know they they gathered a couple members together in those first in that first storyline, but you know the team itself wasn't actually gathered until you know issue twelve roughly. And not only that, the team kept changing every five issues. Um, you know, and so reading this book, I feel it's it's very much a Marvel type storytelling. It's very decompressed. You get this, you know, you, you have this essentially one big scene between uh, Green Lantern and Batman, you know, which leads up to, spoiler warnings on, you know, they're, they're the first meeting of Superman. And, you know, I got to the last page, and I'm, I'm actually excited about, you know, seeing what happens next issue. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been super hyped about Superman's new costume and everything I've read about it, but that last page, that the art, the appearance there, his phrasing, I am I'm psyched. Even more than that, though, the page before that where he's actually doing the fighting, that gives me hope that they may have actually captured some of the feel of Superman because he's moving so fast. They're taking his speed into account. He just beats Hal up before Hal even knows that he's there. I mean, I I, I understand Aaron's concerns and I understand Tip's concerns. Um, you know, I, I do think that there are – it could have had a stronger debut, but at the same time – I understand that they wanted to focus on Batman and Green Lantern. They're some of the most recognizable characters. They didn't want to give away too much of the Superman thing yet. They they kind of want to bring a little mystique back to Superman, um, you know. So they're they're focusing on the characters who changed the least. And uh, you know, I, I I again, it's not the best book ever. Uh, you know, it, it, I do think there are some things that I, I would have preferred. But I, I I did enjoy it. I, I really did enjoy it. I'm definitely on board for the first storyline, at least as long as Jim Lee's on the title. Um, but that does bring me to another point. Yes. Justice League typically starts strong, right? Uh-huh. You know, you had the Grant Morrison, Howard Porter, uh, JLA. Uh, then you had a Justice League written by Brad Meltzer with art by Ed Bennis. Mm-hmm. Every iteration of Justice League that I've seen starts off super strong, super great team, and literally as soon as that team leaves, they just start popping in fill-ins. Yeah. Um, you know, not, you know, you, you can't follow Jeff Johns and Jim Lee with like James Robinson and Mark Bagley or something like that. You know, what I mean, you sure. need a superstar team. And I don't know a superstar team that matches up to Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. Well, yeah, and you know, you know you've only got Jim Lee on this for the first 6. Yeah. You know, you I know, mean because there's just no way you're going to keep him beyond that. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, who who in the hell do you have come in after Jim Lee whose pencils just aren't going to look like shit next to Jim Lee? Yeah, I think Andy Hubert is the only option, honestly. 
Kubert- Looking at this, I mean, yeah. Superman number one's cover, I really dislike the Superman costume. This is the exact same costume that Jim Lee drew on the last page, and it it looks wonderful. I mean, it's night and day. Even though it's the exact same costume, it just looks so much better. So, yeah, I am concerned when he does eventually leave this book. But you know what? This is, to me, this is my first view into the new universe. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm taking it as. I'm not taking it as Justice League itself is going to stay as good as I thought this was. If this is the tone they're going for in the new universe, that's what I'm hoping. So let me let me ask a meta question. Yes, sir. Is there is there a there's going to be some kind of new character in this Justice League, isn't there? Because you saw kind of on the on the bigger shots in the in the in the background, there was a couple. There was at least one person I didn't know who there was. Yes. So okay, because my my question was like I don't really like Cyborg in the Justice League. He's more of a Teen Titan to me, and I'm like, couldn't they have used that to make a new character? But if they're gonna do that anyways, that, that I guess that kind of nullifies my concern. Yeah, I think you know it, the first storyline is gonna take place in the past, so we'll see the characters on this cover. But as we start coming into the present, I think we're gonna see some of the new characters that you saw in the background. Um, and there is a two-page spread, not in this book, but on some of the ads and uh, Comic-Con, I think, had a, a big ad that had some new characters in the background that people weren't sure who they were. And I think they'll be joining the Justice League at some point. Yeah, well, I have the same feeling. We may, we may not see a bunch of these characters in the first arc. I mean, we'll, I think we'll see all of the mainstays here. But all, the new the new characters, the other people we saw on the covers – they won't show up until the five-year gap to show that the, the roster has changed over time. Well, I got to say, I hate the inclusion of Vic Stone into the story. Yes. I, and I, I'm not against Vic Stone. And Aaron and I, you talked about this, so I'm yeah. going to let you talk here. But I am not a Cyborg fan. I think you could have replaced him with Hardware. Oh, God, Hardware would have been awesome. Because he's a strong character. Yeah. Cyborg has never been a strong character. He's been a whiny guy made of metal. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just I, I'm just I I don't know why they want to put him when they've got so many other you know better type of characters to uh, to put in the show. But uh, wow, I really oh, see. Ahead. I always figured the uh, the cyborg push came partially from the Teen Titans cartoon where he actually was a fun character, and then his inclusion on Smallville. I kind of thought that was why they were bringing him into spotlight because he, he was in other media. Yeah, you could be. It could be marketing. It could be, hey, you know, uh, he was popular over here. Maybe, maybe that will bring in an additional element. You could absolutely be right. Uh, yeah, but in the terms cartoon of version school, has nothing to do with the comic version, personality-wise, though. Sure, but but you know, in terms of story, I'd much rather read a Justice League with hardware in it. You know? Or, and I, I'm not trying to be. Uh, I, I, Let's be honest. I mean, I'm not trying to be. I think you're going to say, aren't you, Paul? I am. I'm not trying to be un PC here, but they're going for the diversity factor. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the the, the rest of the team is 100% white dude. (laughs) And they don't have Martian Manhunter on this team. He's on Stormwatch, and Martian Manhunter was kind of, you know, kind of the diverse character in the original Justice League. Yeah, because he was green. You know, there are. (laughs) What? Yeah, because he's green. Yeah. Um, And an immigrant. But you could have had hardware, you could have had Mr. Terrific. That would be what I would like to see because there's no Justice Society right now. So what else is he doing? Yeah, I thought he would be a perfect fit for Justice League. They don't have a super science guy that's dedicated to science. Batman is their, you know, the closest they have, and he's going to be 
you know, he's more vigilante. He can't spend all of his time doing science work. Well, in my head, Paul, I was erasing Cyborg and putting Damian Wayne in that in that front cover. <laughs> but if you wanted to go for, for diversity, and you know, I think I always liked it when Robin was in the Justice League because mm-hmm. you had a younger yeah. character. I I could have put Jaime Reyes in there too. I'd been pretty happy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I get. I, I let's be honest. That's why they're doing it. They're not doing it because they think Cyborg is this badass character. You know, they're they're trying to make him a badass character. Well, I mean, not yet, because in the first issue, he's a whiny bitch, um, just like the Cyborg we're used to. Right. But I don't know. I just I'm not a huge fan of Cyborg. I think there are other characters they could have used. You know, I think honestly, DC New Fifty Two. And I, I know people are going to to decry my name for for saying stuff like this. But I think it, you could have actually changed genders and races – not races, genders and colors of certain pre-existing characters. Mm-hmm. I think Deathstroke could have been a black guy in this universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and now that he's supposedly a good guy, he could have done, you know, he could have been on this team. You know, I, I just I, – I don't know. I'm just not a cyborg fan. And his short appearance in the first issue of Justice League – you know, cameo by the the witch woman aside, I felt was kind of a pointless addition yeah. to the story. You know, now for every other issue of the the new Fifty Two, I'm going to be looking in every crowd scene to see if she's in <laughs> in more of them. Well, she's in a couple of them. I've already seen. You know, if you look through some of the preview pages of stuff coming out next week, she's definitely in at least Animal Man and Hawk and Dove and a couple of the books coming out next week. And Omac Number One and Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo. <laughs> 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 how, how nice would Aqua Woman have been? Good call, Paul. Aqua Woman, exactly. I mean, that would have been awesome. Mira, Mira's a kick-ass character. But oh, <laughs> uh, were you being sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly wasn't. I'm very not everybody else thought it was. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna I like go with Aquaman. that, so the jokes on Paul instead of me. I, <laughs> oh, it just it just cracks me up. Not interested in Aquaman at all, but making make Aquaman Aqua Lady. Well, make it a so, different, make it a little different story is more like what I was saying. Suddenly, but, I'm a little into that. Yeah, <laughs> swimsuit issue. Here we come. So, <laughs> all right. So, long story short, Justice League number two. Who's not buying it? Nah, I'm on the fence. You're gonna buy it, Tim. Nah. We'll push you over the fence. <laughs> so, let me ask you guys, who who bought the digital combo pack? I did. Wayne? I just got the regular version. Timmy? Oh, hell no. Okay. So, Paul, did yes. you read it digitally yet, or did you just read your book? I have read it digitally. And what'd you think? Um, it's a different experience. Because uh-huh. uh, it, it's... I, I did the guided view right. ver- of reading it. You know, because the regular version is almost like reading a PDF. You can just flip the page. Right. Um, but they have a guided view, which focuses on each individual panel. And if it's a large panel, it, you know, it kind of guides it like you're a movie. Like, right. You know, here's the top left of the panel, and here's what you're supposed to read next. And uh, I like reading comics that way. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think it works really good. And I got to be honest, the, I, I was able to appreciate the art more reading it digitally than I was reading it on paper. Now, yeah. I, I, did, again, I don't have an iPad. Right. I was reading it off of my laptop, but I thought it was beautiful. Digitally. Well, you know, I read mine on my iPad, and, of course, you know, the, the screen resolution on the iPad's fantastic, so, you know, yay. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a great way to read it. Um, like yourself, I, I read it via the guided view, and I thought that it the energy of the Jim Lee artwork 
was really well served by the technology. I mean, so what the, I'm really curious about for you guys that did read the digital version, how did it do the double page spread in your guided view? It bring because in the guided view, what it does is it brings it up as a whole panel. So the double page spread is just shrunk down to one screen size then. Well, to a certain extent, it focuses, like, for the first double-page spread where Batman's leaping across the rooftop, the helicopter behind him, yep. it zooms in on his face, and then and, and then, then it, it kind of out. zooms out, like it right. you know, pulls out so you can see the, ca- the, the helicopter behind him. Yeah, the context. Yeah, I thought, I, I, you know, Jim Lee's, Jim Lee's artwork looks great wherever it is, but I just really thought that the Guided View and the Comixology app – did a fantastic job of, of really adding a cinematic type of feel to it, you know, and there was just all this energy and the way it was guiding you. And I don't know about you, Paul, but you know, the first time I went through it, I was clicking faster because I wanted to, you know, let's get to the next scene, you know? Yeah, and so, and so, I mean, it was just a, a tremendous amount of, of, of energy on the panel and well, totally and there's something it. to be said for that. You know, when you don't know what's next, yeah. you know, you're flipping open a comic book, you know, when you turn a page, you kind of scan both pages before you start reading. Right. You know, you, you can't do that, dig- you know, or you can. But, you know, if you're reading it digitally, you know, you're focused on a panel and you, you, you don't know what's happening next. Right. Um, you know, one of my favorite aspects of it is the final shot with uh, Superman. It focuses on his face with the, you know, the glowing red eyes first before you pan out to see that it's actually Superman. And so I thought that was, you know, like you said, very cinematic. It, it adds a lot to the comic book. You know, if Comixology would have released the Nook app, I probably would have got the digital version just to try it out on there. But they don't have one for the Nook yet. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to decide. I might actually subscribe to the combo packs. Uh, yeah. Justice League, I think Justice League is the only one that's actually going to be released as a digital combo pack. Oh, really? Um, they're not all going to do that? Not all, no, they're most of the books will have uh, they'll, they'll have digital day and date, but Justice League, I think, I could be wrong, is the only one that's actually doing the combo pack. I, if I that's think they, true. That sucks. Well, I think it's because they don't know how it's going to sell. You know, I mean, there's no way to tell, and you know, for a five dollar book, are people really going to buy it? And I would for some of them. And you know, I, one of the things that knowing how well the digitally works now, uh-huh. it, to the point where beca- the guided view makes it not unbearable to read on my laptop. Right. I, there are certain books where I'm going to buy them in the stores. Justice uh-huh. League I'm going to buy. But if it's something we don't talk about on the podcast, I might just buy them digitally. And you know, does, I'll does, wait till they go down in price. Yeah. And then yeah. I'll just buy them digitally. And what are they doing on the is – the, is it a month or is it two weeks? I think it's two weeks. Yeah. And then it drops like to buck ninety nine. Well, that means we might uh, have a segment on the show two week later books. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, mean- there are a number of number ones that – I will probably pick up digitally in lieu of uh, the print book, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I thought it worked really well. I thought, I thought the technology served the book really well. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking, it, it, it convinced me that I, I can buy books digitally, especially the ones that we're not, I know we're not going to talk about. Yeah. You know, then that, that, that I I don't mind waiting a couple weeks, paying uh-huh. less, you know, and and actually getting that enjoyment out of them. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for the trade market, I could see them doing even further over time, dropping the price down more until you'd have digital quarter bins. 
Well, they kind of do. Well, at this point, I've only seen digital dollar bins. Right. But they have uh, some Alan Grant, Norm Brayfogle Batmans that they released over the last week yep. for 99 cents. Oh. Yeah, not, uh, Comixology and you know DC Comics and Marvel and all of their apps uh, frequently have sales, like over the weekend. Like on Liberty weekend, you'll generally see a sale, that kind of thing. Um, and they'll they'll sell them for ninety nine cents. Now ninety nine cents. I've said this before, and I won't beat a dead horse. But I think ninety nine cents is the appropriate price point for digital comics. Um, mm. But uh, you know, I, I do like seeing those sales. And you know, uh, again, it, it it's it worked really well. I think that the uh, the scans. I don't know how much of the the Comicsology apps, Comicsology comics you've looked at, Paul. But sometimes the scans aren't very good. You know, no, I've not seen many. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not because I don't read comics digitally, yeah. typically. But you know, some of those older ones, I'd imagine it would be because they're not in the computer. They actually have to scan them. Well, but even more recent things. I mean, it, even if they're the the resolution is just not very good. They just like they didn't set the DPI right on their scanner. Ah. So it's nice to see how lovingly this was was scanned and i really you know they've got to go in and you know set the the uh, guided view and i wonder what that does to their lead time you know if they're going to do yeah. day and date digital how much time does comiXology need with the finished product to uh do it because i noticed just this morning that there's an update to what we got on wednesday yes there is yeah uh, they, they actually because there were some wording changes yeah like I, I like some of the text that made it into the print version was not in the original digital version, and yeah. they updated it, which is cool. You know, because they don't charge you extra for it; they just right. update it. Can remember when we talked about how there were fuck ups in like Siege, uh huh, and you know they didn't do anything about it. Like, ah, sorry. Yeah. Digital comics, it'll correct it for you. Yeah. You know, that's just awesome. You know, without you having to buy a corrected copy or anything like that. Yeah. But um, one thing but I want to talk then about. Then how will we have our ultra rare versions with the misprints? <laughs> Those are what's worth money in the end. <laughs> now, <laughs> before we move on to our next book, there is one thing I do want to mention, and I'm shocked that I haven't seen more shops take advantage of it. DC is offering a digital storefront to comics retailers. Yes, your comic shop can have from their website. A digital storefront, it, which is essentially kind of like a link, like like an Amazon Associates thing, right. where people buy comics from the comic store's website digitally, but it just runs through Comicsology, and the store gets you know the store gets money from that. And I'm just See, and I, and I, I would do that. I would buy it through my store versus somebody else too. just to make sure I'm supporting my store. Exactly, you know, and I'm surprised more stores don't do it because you know there you can you can be a store owner and just complain about digital comics. Or you can make money off of them. They're offering you a chance to make money off of digital comics. I'm sure. just shocked more people haven't done it. When like, it comes to technology, this, my store's pretty close to El Camino. They don't even have a website. This digital frontier stuff's going to go away. Why Why invest the time? I mean, come on. <laughs> really, it's a mystery to me why people don't buy into it more. Mm, you going to take that journey into your mystery, Paul? I'm going to take that journey into mystery. Yes. Issue 626.1 of Journey into Mystery came out this week, um, not by the typical creative team of Karen Gillan and Doug Braithwaite, but by the team of Rob Rohde and Pascal Ferry. And I have never heard of Rob Rohde before. He wrote um, one of those Thor um, – I think he wrote that one, the, 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 the painted miniseries that you guys read of Thor. Oh, really? 
where he was naked and the hammer was his penis. <laughs> I think that was yeah. written by Robert. <laughs> He, he, he writes a lot of Was Thor mini Thor for Asgard? Is that what that was? I think so. Um, well, getting to the point, the point one issue, that is, um, I thought this was a really strong book. I You know, number one, it, it features, uh, you know, uh, Kid Loki or, you know, Marvel Damian Wayne. And it's a it's a story about him wanting to hear what other people are saying about him in uh, Asgard. And so, you know, he does this the way, you know, anybody would do it. He summons up an elder god <laughs> to uh, tell him what other people are saying about him. And, of course, that won't go wrong at all. <laughs> yeah, he can't just he, – he's fucking Loki. He can't just, like, sneak up on people or listen from the shadows. Right. To summon a demon. <laughs> so instead of looking for hashtag Loki sucks, he summons an elder god. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and it was, I mean, the, the art was terrific. Um, I, I just, I really enjoyed uh, the, the mood that the art conveyed and was interesting in how it, uh, uh, you, you had just different textures for each of the different, uh, vignettes that you got to see because you know it jumps from what are the Warriors three saying about him? What's Odin saying about him? What's Sif saying about him? Um, and the the uh, mood is certainly different on each one. Though there's you know it's all pretty uh, pretty uh, negative towards Loki. You know everyone just kind of like well I don't think we ought to have a little shit around. You know I think that uh, perhaps we ought to you know send him out to the outer realms or you know just kill him. But um, I, I really dug it. I, I, I liked I liked the look of the new bad guy. You know, he just didn't look like any other bad guy. Um, I liked that when it came down to okay, what is Thor saying about you? And Loki didn't want to know. You know, he was actually a little shocked at, at how harshly people felt towards him, and that when it came to, to Thor, he didn't want to know. He didn't want to pull at that thread. And I love that they're really, you know, hitting on this. Yeah, there's been differences between Loki and Thor, but at the end of the day, they're brothers and they love each other. I, I just, I love that part of the story. I do too. You know, and it's something. It's one of the few things that Matt Fraction uh, did mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it, it, I'm enjoying because the the artist on this is actually the artist who was on that initial Matt Fraction Thor arc. Yeah, the the one that we all dropped off of. Right. Um, you know, they where they introduced. Uh, Damian Wayne Loki, yeah. Damian Loki, and so you know, seeing the and I love that guy's art. So I mean, I thought it looked great in this book. You know, I I, I wouldn't mind seeing him do more Damian Wayne or Loki. Loki <laughs> Sorry, Wayne. it's Loki. Loki Wayne. Yeah. Loki Wayne. I wouldn't mind seeing him do some more Loki Wayne stuff. But uh, no, I enjoyed this book. It, it, it it's very much. Got to be honest. You know, these point one issues. This is not really a good jumping on point. <laughs> Nor is it a peek into the future. However, it is a well done book. It is well written, and uh, it's very pretty to look at. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm glad I picked it up. Yeah, I, I, I was too. Yeah, I was a little reticent to pick it up, uh, just that I the other point one books have been a little hit and miss. Mm -hmm. But I dug this. I really enjoyed it. I again, I'm, I'm digging that Thor Loki relationship, and I know that that's going to change at some point. I'm just enjoying what we're getting right now. You know, because I was, I was very, I felt very strongly at the end of Siege that I didn't want to see Loki again, 
And, I, you know, I, I should more accurately represent that now is I don't want to see adult Loki again. You know, I don't want to see that, that the conniving character that we've always had. Um, I'd like to see somebody that there is some redeeming quality to. That, yeah, he may be the god of mischief, but that doesn't make him the god of evil. You know, and that's that's really been the line that uh, that writers have taken over the years is that Loki was just pure evil as opposed to being a god of mischief. And there's there is a difference between those two things, you know, so I, I, I thought this was great. I really enjoyed it. So sticking with Asgard. The Mighty Thor number five came out this week, written by Matt Fraction with art by Olivier Copel, Coipiel. Uh-huh. And uh, un- unannounced on the cover, some fill-in art by Koi Fam. And uh, this is the fifth issue of the storyline featuring the Asgardians versus Galactus, which we all loved at the very beginning of the storyline. Um, Aaron, what would you think of issue five? The Copiel pages are mm-hmm. stunning. I mean, the, the scene where uh, Silver Surfer and Thor are just balls out fighting each other. And, you know, the the Silver Surfer all gritted teeth. Are you finished? I mean, it, just beautiful pages um, where uh, Odin is throwing himself at Galactus and the two of them are just crumbling apart because they're hitting each other so hard. Again, stunning pages. Um, I What I would like to see after all of this, uh, this storyline on Thor is done is them to remove all of the Matt Fraction writing from it and <laughs> and have somebody else do the uh, do the scripting. Because while these pages are beautiful, and I'm actually kind of enjoying the story, I cannot abide how he's voicing these characters. You know, if you compare Journey into Mystery uh, 626.1 with uh, Mighty Thor number five, these are not the same characters. You know, they don't talk the same way. Um, Thor is is uh, just so base and almost modern in his speech. It, it is not Thor. You know, it's not the character that, that we, we, we know. And I don't have to have all the yays and the verilies and the forsooths, but I need him to have a formal level of speech that, that, we're, that we're familiar with. It yeah, really it, is amazing how much Matt Fraction has fallen from grace in our eyes. I mean, we were raving about him like just a couple of years ago, and then he went from being, uh, I think, didn't he win like the best writer on the funnies that year yeah, to yeah. go to the next year as the worst writer? Well, and here's something I want to say about Matt Fraction, because we are hard on Matt Fraction. Matt Fraction, I have not read a book that Matt Fraction wrote that the idea wasn't great. The ideas behind Fear Itself are great. The ideas that are in Mighty Thor number five are fantastic. His main issue for me is really dialogue. Yeah, the dialogue's killing me. You know, we have the Silver Surfer. He's like, you're a pompous, overblown ass. Silver Surfer doesn't talk like that. No. You know, and and Thor, you know, I get – one of the main issues I have with this storyline is Thor is – unprovoked attacking Silver Surfer. And not just attacking Silver Surfer, he aims to kill yeah, Silver I mean, Surfer. Yeah, I mean, and you know, these guys Why? have worked together in the past. It makes no sense 
as to why he is ju- why he's not just fighting to subdue him. He's fighting to break him in half. Look, he clearly states Silver Surfer's possessed before he throws the hammer. Right, Paul? <laughs> that mitigate that mitigates any any legal rights right there. Yeah, no, no, but he doesn't. He just says, "I'll kill you, Surfer." For well, what? And here's For something what? else I don't understand. <laughs> On what day is the Silver Surfer as powerful as the God of Thunder? That's I'm I'm having some problems with that. every day. I don't think so. I, I think that the power scale is off there. And I've, you know, I've always seen Silver Surfer as just as powerful. I mean, the power of Cosmic Surfer is insanely powerful. But Thor's a god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm okay with the... I guess I'm not as opposed to the power level difference as you are, or you know, similarities uh-huh. as you are, but... I don't know. There, uh, really, my main issue with this book is is gonna be the damn dialogue. You know, it, it, there are some great ideas, and not only that, like you said, the Olivier Copiel pages, drawn pages, beautiful pages, yeah. beautiful stuff. The Koi Fam drawn pages, not so much. They're and, all you know, white, it, but it's just when you when you put something that when you when you put a piece of art next to something that is mind blowing. The thing that's not mind blowing is going to look quite pale in comparison. Yeah, but it makes me wonder how is issue six going to look? Yeah. Because if Olivier Copiel needed fill in for issue five, and if issue six is going to be out on time, yeah, that book's going to be at least half fill in. Well, and you know, issue six is the most important issue because we are going to get the face off of a lifetime between Galactus and Pastor Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have at the end of issue five where the uh the local uh uh cleric in oklahoma is going to face down the world eater so this will end well yeah i i don't know i so i'm really i'm really tempted to drop the book uh, I, you know, I, lo- I I remember. I mean, I loved the first couple of issues of this book. Well, everything but... I've loved about this book has been the artwork. I mean, I, I have I have had problems with the way uh, Fractions writing the dialogue since the get go. Sure, but you know, the overarching story and the artwork have carried me through. Uh, I will at least by issue six. I don't know if I'll be around for seven. Well, and here's the thing with issue seven. It's you know the the art team changes. Right. Pascal Ferry's taken over the book. Who went? Like I said, I like Pascal Ferry. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you're right. I probably should finish this storyline out. I mean, I've read five issues of the storyline. I am curious to see how it wraps up. But you know, I just, he's got these great ideas. It's almost like Matt Fraction should do the story, and the dialogue should be written by somebody else. Yeah, you know Dan Slott does that a little bit with Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know he writes the story, and sometimes Fred Van Lente or Christos Gage will come in right. and do the actual dialogue. Right. You know I, maybe he needs someone like that because the dialogue is killing me on all of his books. Yeah. So oh well. But the Ultimate Universe continues on this week, not by, written by Matt Fraction, rather by. Jonathan Hickman. Good friend Jonathan Hickman. Right. Um, Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, number one, came out this week. Now, Aaron, you were not originally planning on buying this, were you not? No, I've been planning on buying this one. Uh, yeah, the only... I, was the, I was the one that wasn't originally planning on buying it, but decided ah. to. 
So, what so Wayne, what'd you think? You know, this was, out of all of the Ultimate books coming out, this was the one I was the least excited about because I've just never cared about Hawkeye. After reading this, though, Hawkeye is an incredibly cool character in the yeah. Ultimate Universe. Yeah, he's he's kind of like uh, the opposite to Bullseye in terms yeah. of, you know, you know, Bullseye can turn anything into a weapon and he's a bad guy, whereas Hawkeye can turn anything into a weapon and he's a good guy. Um, I, I, I dug this book. I thought this book was great. And I'll tell you what this book did for me, Wayne. It made me interested in the X-Men book. Um, I the X Men the Ultimate X Men book was the book I was planning not to get out of the new Ultimate uh, books, and now with the storyline, it's made me interested in that title. Yeah, everything is tying together. I mean, there's reference to the Reed Richards dome in this one. Mm-hmm. There's uh, dealing with the you know the X gene, and a, a foreign country trying to get rid of it, so they're the only ones that has super powered beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is. They're continuing to set up the new, the new status quo for the Ultimate Universe, and I I'm enjoying the new status quo. And I'm enjoying that it's nothing like the regular Marvel Universe status quo. Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the artwork on the book uh, by uh, Mr. Sandoval really uh, serves not just the story well, but the character of Hawkeye. You know, because there's all this action of him throwing stuff and shooting arrows and whatnot. And he really has that action nailed in this book. It is so fluid. You can tell exactly what's going on. And it just the, – the story flows so well through the artwork. Uh, I, yeah. I, I really rather dug it. As I was reading through, I found that like, I was really enjoying it. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And then when all hell breaks loose, that's when it got really good. Yeah. Seeing Hawkeye actually in action – for those few pages, I'm excited about the character now, and I wasn't before. Yeah, he's pretty badass in this book. It, you, you put, you know, you had it dead on the head there. It was like Bullseye, only a hero. Yeah. No, it was good stuff. I, I have one very tiny objection. They keep referring to the uh, the nation state or whatever that uh, that. You know the, the the country that's causing all of the problem, and they refer to it as the SEER, S E A R, and it stands for the Southeast Asian Republic. And so it's like generic Asian bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is my only objection. I just wish that we could have come up with you know, uh, you know, some, something that sounded a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, People's Republic of China or something like that. But I understand they're not wanting to peg a specific country as the bad guy. So we'll make up this country that just sounds like, you know, generic Asian badass. So Well, when it says the location, it, one month ago, Bangkok, the right. seer. So the seer is based out of Bangkok. I mean, that kind of gives us an idea of where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't care for the seer. But I, <laughs> I can live with that. I can live with that. Everything else in this book was terrific. I'm digging it. Yeah, I... I don't know how they were managed to change the Ultimate Universe to be good again because Ultimatum really kicked it in the balls. But yeah. they've they have turned it around, and I I can't wait to see what else they're going to do. Well, I've been I, excited about X Men since the beginning, so. And I do like that they you know on the cover they have cast 1990s Val Kilmer as Hawkeye, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not not current uh, fat Val Kilmer that we have today, but 1990s Val Kilmer. Okay, guys. So uh, you know we have we have come through the Flashpoint and the New Fifty Two. We have journeyed into mystery. 
and through the fabled lands of Asgard. We've even taken a, a detour to the Ultimate Universe now to find ourselves on Spider Island. That's got to be the best transition ever in the history of transitions. <laughs> <laughs> Until you just ruined it. Yeah, thanks, Paul. So, so Amazing Spider-Man 668, Part 2 of Spider Island. I- I'm going to abstain from the first round because I have words to say that I want to hear what you guys thought of certain aspects first. Okay, well, I, th- there's a lot I really liked about it. I, I, I thought the 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 benching of Spider-Man was, was pretty strong. It made a lot of sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like we can't have you running around because – Everybody else looks like you. <laughs> we can't stop every three seconds to be like, what's the doppelganger password? So that was cool. And I like Peter Parker's like realization that, uh, you know, he can still just use his powers as Peter Parker. That was pretty strong. And his, and his flash, what do they call those flash gangs, Paul? The, the flash New mob. Yorker, yeah, the New yeah, Yorker the flash, flash mob thing that he did was, was also pretty happy. All right, I'd say uh, I agree with the things that Tim loved. I like the them benching him made sense. I thought they were a little harsh about it. They didn't explain it quite well enough. Uh, his reaction to it, you know, basically being down. I like that Mary Jane was the one that kicked him in the butt to get him back out there fighting. Um, loved Carly as usual. Uh, I really hated the artwork on every single page, and it bothered me considerably. I'm sure you guys loved it. I uh, I did not so much this time. There were some, there were some panels that looked a little rushed to me, and that were so hyper stylized that they just seemed ridiculous. Um, so I'm 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 a little bit more with Wayne on the artwork on this book. I mean, I would say the worst panel for me was that one where Peter's coming in with everyone behind him. I thought everyone behind him looked great. I thought Peter himself looked disproportionate and horrible. Yeah. Really, my my main issue with the art was the first page, not the the first um, where they uh, put the the creative team, uh-huh. where Peter Parker's been benched and he's sad and, and he's, he's all, all hunched like, over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he looks like a an ape. Well, and I mean, yeah. you you look at the there's all the activity going on in the background, and what the hell happened to Ms. Marvel there? <laughs> I mean, that is the most awkward pose. Uh, on that page, I, I don't quite understand that. And there's there's a lot of that. Like if you turn on to the to the next page, there's a there's a, in the bottom right corner panel, uh, Peter is talking to Nora, and his hands are gigantic. He's got giant monkey arms, this giant chest, little bitty head. Um, I but when you go and he has the close ups on the next page, all of that looks beautiful. I yeah, just, I, I agree. That panel looks great yeah. compared to everything else in the book. Miss Marvel looks like she's getting a colonoscopy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, nice. it's like let's do this. Let's do this thing that focuses on Ms. Marvel's ass, which I'm normally happy with, but it's so it is so awkwardly drawn that it's not a good shot of her ass. <laughs> you know, it's like look at my ass, look at my ass, but you know, let's not look at it in a good way. Well, let's let's talk about let's let's talk about the grade A five star part of this book, which is the jackal conversation on that first page and you know rolling into the second page. Uh-huh. I I I laugh so hard. <laughs> the jackal talk about 
when a when a jackal loves a man spider very very much. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You know, well, and I love. I once again, just, I've gone on and on about how much I love Carly. I love that she's the one that gives him the obvious who's behind this. Oh, oh yeah, the jackal's behind this, and it's just so obvious, so plain as day. And he didn't. He never even thought about it until then. Yeah, Carly is just one of the best characters they've added to this book in years. It's a good book. I enjoyed the story. All right. So now I can now I can put in my two cents. Here we go. All right, Paul. All right. So a couple things. Two of the scenes in this book, or two of the story threads in this book, I've I, I saw through tie-ins, and I know we we say tie-ins are suck, but um. In the the Deadly Foes of Spider-Man tie-in, the one-shot, the scene where Peter Parker is on the um, the lamppost talking to New York City, yeah, I've seen that part, scene already, which was fine. You know, I like how it tied in. I, I I could understand where the stories took place with each other, so that was fine. The Jackal conversation that Tim was talking about, where he's injecting the yeah. spider embryos, right? That, and I I didn't notice an actual reference to it that storyline and, and with venom jumping on the bridge that's all from that venom one shot or the venom tie-in that i read mm-hmm. that's supposedly captain america in the venom suit no that's captain america getting injected with spider embryos spider king yeah huh that that makes no sense at all we saw spider king before and it wasn't captain america how could that be Sp- captain america that's cap- I, that's what happened. That is what happens in that Venom issue that I hated. <laughs> <laughs> that Sp- that Captain America becomes Spider King. Yes. Well, no, he, you don't see him become a Spider King, but you find out that the Spider King is a mutated Captain America. Like maybe a muta- like a Captain America clone. Is that what you're saying? Uh, they don't say it's a clone. They say it's actually Captain America. I mean, I guess it could be a clone. But it could let's explain just, why Captain America is not with the Avengers. For the sake of my brain, let's just consider that a Captain America clone. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping that – my qualm with the book is I hope that they, they're they not interjecting this and hoping you'll read Venom because it doesn't tell you to read Venom. Right. I'm hoping they'll actually resolve some of that in this storyline because otherwise those are two pages that you guys are never going to get resolution on. Huh. But my main qualm with the story, my main qualm, was Peter swinging, can't, swinging across, costumeless, you know, kissing Carly on the, you know, while swinging. Can't tell you how often I've dreamed of this. Web swinging my way to work and not having to change. It feels so good being out in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it clearly didn't because you undid it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's out in the open with his powers, but he's not out in the open as being Spider-Man. I mean, there's a big difference. He can do this out in the open without risking anyone. He couldn't do that when he revealed his identity because he risked everyone he loved. Yeah, but he says, I can't tell you how often I've dreamed of it. Like, you know, this is something he's been wanting forever. And I don't know. I, I, that, that just bugged me because it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense since you made a deal with the devil to undo that. But that was just to save Aunt May. Yeah, and he doesn't remember that deal. Yes, he does, doesn't he? Well, he doesn't remember the deal with the devil. In his mind, he did. It. He made it with Doctor Strange. Yeah, and that was to change, you know, make his identity secret again. It doesn't change. That's something he always wanted to do, but he couldn't do it because if he did, his family would be at risk. Now he can do this without putting his family at risk. 
I uh, I guess I see it. There's a very very big difference there, Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Whatever. God, pull your head out of your ass. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I particularly enjoyed the scene with Anti Venom. Oh, on yes. the roof, and you've yeah. got this guy out there. He's out there. Yeah, I'm I'm out here with my spider powers, and then Anti Venom, you know, takes away his spider powers. You're cured. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> that tickled me a lot. Yeah, he reacts like, yeah, you thank me later. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> so I, I thought this book was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I didn't dislike the book. I, I know I'm being nitpicky about certain aspects, but I, 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 I am enjoying Spider Island as a whole. Now, you know, usually Amazing Spider-Man is the very first book I read when I come home from the comic shop. And this week was a little different because I was all excited about the new 52. So I read Flashpoint 5 and then I read Justice League. And then my third book was not Amazing Spider-Man. Rather, it was The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I've been so jazzed about this book. Paul, you read this one with me, didn't you? I, I did. I did. Tell me, Paul. Tell me. Lay it on me. Give me the love. It was meh. Yeah. yeah it, was. <laughs> it was It was a whole lot of meh. Yeah. I did not care for the artwork. No, um, I did not care for the artwork at all. I did not care for – supposedly it ties into a scene in Spider-Island, but the scene in, Spy, in Amazing Spider-Man is illustrated differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, in one scene, he's in Spider-Man's costume. In the other book, he's out of costume. Yeah. Um. I, I liked it enough that I'm going to pick up the next one because I want to support my, uh, my my kung fu friends. But yeah. uh, I didn't care for the artwork largely because it was that colors over pencils thing that we've talked about before. Um, it just didn't have a bunch of pop off the off the page. I enjoyed getting to spend some quality time with my good friend Shang Chi, mm-hmm. but you know beyond that, um, you know. The uh, it just didn't it it didn't have enough zazz for me. I was really hoping for more out of this book. Yeah, you know, I uh, I picked up the Secret Avengers uh, trade paperback, the second trade paperback that focuses on Shang Chi. Yeah, and uh, it sucked. I mean, you know, it, no surprise there. Yeah. But you know, I like Shang Chi as a character, and I. I I, I'm just disappointed in what writers are doing with him. Well, but you know, I'm loving what what Dan Slott's doing with him in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. It's when exactly. you give him I to wish... other guys that we're having trouble with. Yeah, exactly. I wish some of that had some of that fun had translated. And yeah. there's so many good aspects of this book. It yeah. brings in characters from Immortal Iron Fist. It brings in some of the yeah. immortal weapons. Yeah. I mean, I liked that aspect of it. I like that they're tying Marvel's kung fu universe together. You know, yeah. even Iron Fist has a big part in this book. But it just – I don't know. There was no there was no fun in this book. Yeah. And uh, I was hoping for something a little more fun along the lines of what we've seen from Shang-Chi and Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm on probably for the rest of this series, but it just was not the book I was hoping that it would be, despite having a lovely cover. Yes. And, and you know, I, I looked inside to see who did the cover, uh-huh. and it does not actually say because it, it cannot be the interior artist. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the, the interior art is vastly different. Yeah. I, uh, 
I like me some Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. I just didn't quite like this book so much. So, mm. there you go. Damn dirty book. Damn dirty book. So, Aaron, you were complaining there wasn't enough Gorilla Grodd in uh, Flashpoint. Not enough ape for you. Did Planet <laughs> of the Apes have enough apes for you? Oh, yeah. Lots of monkeys. But I got to know. You know, I, I asked uh, I, I asked Daryl Gregory earlier this week, you know, why those monkeys got to be so mean. <laughs> <laughs> And he responded, this is, you know, apes got to do what an ape's got to do. And, uh, you know, I get that. I get that. But, uh, you know, Planet of the Apes number five, those guys are just mean. I, I don't know. I think I might have to take the ape's side. I mean, the lawgiver, the most gentle ape of all, was killed by a damn dirty human. And <laughs> their, fa- their humans went on strike. And then their factory is blown up by another damn dirty human. Well, I, I, I'm feeling for the apes here. I uh the, this book is very uh unfriendly to union workers <laughs> in that you know when the union goes on strike they just they just uh you know start rounding up the union members and shipping them off to uh uh reeducation camps <laughs> I was like huh oh, we should try that in modern day uh labor negotiations <laughs> yeah it's interesting because it seems like they are trying to fill the gap between the lawgiver time and the, you know, the future that Taylor shows up in. So you're seeing more and more, you know, movement in that direction. Yeah. Um, the the apes need the humans at this point for a lot of the factory work because they still are. They're far more industrialized than they were in the in the first movie. Right. Uh, there's a whole series of humans that suddenly can't talk. Right. You know, yeah, generations being born like that. Yeah, and they start. They, they they've stated in the book that one in four children are born now with the inability to speak. So you know they've got this rising population that you know isn't verbal, um, and the the apes. I'm not sure if it's just that they don't have a talent for it, or that it's just that they have an active disdain for it. But they they have no. Uh, uh, adeptness at technology and so they need the humans to run their factories and so you know you're absolutely right Wayne. you know they've got a higher level of technology right now than they do you know in the first planet of the apes movie as we bridge that gap uh, it's interesting i i'm really enjoying this but man uh you know those monkeys are mean yeah it's going to be interesting because this is leading up it looks like to a big war between the humans and the apes now, those of you who have not been reading Planet of the Apes, this is a great jump on point, this issue five, because it is one buck. It is one solid dollar for a full book of story, and it actually does wind up being a good jumping on point. You don't really have to have read the prior four issues uh, to understand what's going on here. I don't know, Aaron. I felt the artist was aping Jack Kirby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You notice he had to use Jack Kirby because that's really the only artist he knows. I I, I could have used Jim Lee. <laughs> Tim, we quit. learned that name earlier today. Umberto Ramos. <laughs> Tim, quit monkeying around. All right. Oh my God, it's awful. <laughs> are we done? We're yeah, done. these jokes don't have appeal. I also we, uh, we are going bananas here. I like that the retraining facility is called Happy Valley. <laughs> Aaron's plowing right through. Happy yeah. We need to send some of your some of these uh, co-hosts to a retraining facility. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where, really, that's where Andrew went. We, you know, 
<laughs> we we have offered a retraining facility at the Happy Valley retraining facility. <laughs> Andrew Valley Andrew retraining. Andrew is a primate example of that. Dude, uh, no. <laughs> Dude. Coming up on Friday Woo. is issue number seven of Knights of Rainsboro. So exciting. <laughs> Wait, hey. is this one exciting? It is. Issue, issue seven. Issue seven, you know, there's some sharing of information. Oh, yeah. I remember. And, and it's got the best opening so far. And that's all I'll say. I don't know. It'd be pretty hard to beat Billy Joel. Well, you know, Billy Joel was good, but uh, you know, I I uh, I uh, really enjoy uh, this opening. So I, uh, but I, we'll let y'all be the judge of that. Indeed. So this Friday, Knights of Rainsboro issue seven. If you haven't listened to the first six, you're, you're an idiot. Go get them. Now. <laughs> are you going to pimp the other project, Darren? Yes, we are. Um, we are. Also have another actual play podcast going, which uh, I had intended to drop this previous Friday, but uh, due to recent events and uh, the fact that I still haven't settled on some theme music, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> due to a hurricane on the East Coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we didn't get our theme music because of Hurricane Irene. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are are engaged in a sandbox style Star Trek role playing game. Uh, that will be dropping not this Friday, but the following Friday. So you will now have Ideology of Madness actual play every Friday for the foreseeable future. Man, are we getting paid for this shit? You would think we should. (laughs) My wife keeps asking that question. (laughs) You know what? Hurricane Irene was a hurricane until it got to your house, and then it suffered about a tropical depression. That's, That's what really happened. Yeah, you know, really. And I, uh, I just want to tease the Star Trek that we, we have uh, actual play, you know, veterans on there as well. We've got uh, Thistledown John from ThistledownAP.com. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> or as most of you know him, Fake Wayne. Thistledown. Yes, yes Fake Wayne from our very special Fear the Con episode. That's right. And Jake Geekus from all of our wonderful artwork. That's right. That's right. And who has yeah. been on this podcast a couple of times. Maybe yeah. in the bumper we'll throw in the plugs for all that stuff. Or not the, yeah, at, the, at the end. Like, buy Jakey's art so he can eat and stop moving every three months. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> click on Thistledown AP so that maybe Thistledown will get off his ass and put out another one here. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. Hey, I keep giving guy. him crap, but it doesn't seem to be working. It's, I, he seems to be, uh, you know, crap resistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so next week on this very podcast, we're going to talk about Action Comics number one. Woo! Well, and, and we'll talk about Batgirl number one, and Batwing number one, no. and Green Arrow number one, and Detective Comics number one, no. and Men of War number one, and OMAC number one, no. and Static Shock number one, and Stormwatch number one, and Swap Hank number one. <laughs> Maybe Swamp. Yeah. All right, so uh, I got to know, what are, you, what are you guys buying next week from the number ones? Okay, I am getting everything Superman and everything Batman except for Batwing. So I'll be getting Batgirl, I'll be getting Action Comics, I'll be getting... What else is on the list Detective for next Comics. week? I'll be getting Detective. Justice League International? Yep. Oh, hell yeah, it's the only place Booster Gold's at. <laughs> Ooh, Booster Gold. That's right. 
Aaron, what are you getting next week? Against my better judgment, I'll be picking up action number one. It looks really good. I will also <laughs> be picking up uh, Batgirl and Green Arrow, JLI, and Static Shock. Green Arrow's on my maybe list. I'll have to I'll flip through it and I'll see what it looks like. And there's a very good chance I'll end up buying it. But I don't I'm not definitely getting it yet. No. It's written by Dan Jurgens. That Friends is one of the, of the podcast, reasons. Dan Jurgens. That's actually the reason it's getting a flip through. Tim, are you picking up any of the number ones next week? I I may get JLI and Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing! Yes! Both, We're talking about Swamp happen. Thing next week. Mm. <laughs> Animal Man's my other big maybe. I uh, I've always kind of liked the character. I'm curious what they're going to do with him, and I've heard good things from early reviews of Animal Man. Very exciting. So, plenty of number one goodness to talk about next week, um, and you know, really not a lot of Marvel next week unless you uh, <laughs> unless you like New Avengers annuals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk to you guys next week. All right, you guys have a good one. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>